Good morning, everybody. What a great song to get started on. I'm really excited everybody's here today. The pews are full and my nerves are full, so we'll get through it. Heather just reminded me to be calm and talk slow, because I tend to get excited when I'm up here and I talk really fast. So today we will be in Romans. We'll be in Romans chapter 6, verses 17 through 23. So I'll do a little bit of flipping around. Some of it is in Romans. Do not feel obligated to try to keep up with me. Like I said, I get really excited and I start to go really fast. So uh, last week, Rob uh, finished up his Who's Your One series. And I was in Bogota speaking. And I got to speak about power and grace, God's power and grace. And throughout my life, I've looked back and I've seen how God's worked in my life. And it's always been hindsight and kind of in the moment, sometimes things are happening. And I'm like, wow, God's really working in my life. And then the week that I prepared this sermon, the Lord spoke to me in ways that I had never been spoke to before. It was amazing. And I told Heather about it. I said, he is talking to me, and this is what I'm supposed to do, and this is where I'm supposed to be. So it's a little off topic, but I wanted to share just a little bit about it. I did it about power and grace. So I looked up grace because Rob's always taught us the acrostic. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. So I looked up a definition. And the definition I found is, it is the love and mercy given to us by God because God desires us to have it, not necessarily because of anything we've done to earn it. So that moved me so much, and this week, preparing for this sermon, I've kind of carried that on, and I just wanted to share it with the group. So I thought it was something that we could get started on. It's a good note. It's something that, that we've got as a gift. So if everybody is in Romans, if we'd please stand for the reading of God's word. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you were once just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for these words that we can learn and grow from it. And we just ask that you open our minds and our hearts today and that we can take this message and spread it through the world. We can spread your grace and your love. Please lead, guide, and direct us in all things we do. It's your, your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So like I said, last week... The Lord was talking to me and working in me, and I skipped over this because I was really excited, so I'm going to touch on it. When I sat down at Bogota, the crowd was much smaller, so today I'm very excited to talk to all of you. It's been almost a year since I've been up here. It was pre-COVID, so I'm excited to get back up here and speak with you all. I sat down, and they handed us a handout. I looked at my wife, and I said, would you look at that? And it was in uh, the King James Version, so it was a little different than my Bible, but it was in 
<coughs> excuse me, Ephesians chapter 2, 4, and 5, and I'm going to read that for you guys real quick. It said, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So through all that, he was talking to me, and I sat down, and it's like, yep, yep, I'm ready. This is where I'm supposed to be. So now today we can jump into today's lesson. We're going to talk about Romans a little bit. The author of Romans was the Apostle Paul. He wrote, he is the author of quite a few books in the New Testament. And the purpose of this letter was meant for the churches in Rome, the Christian churches. Christianity was a new thing when he wrote this. And the purpose of it was kind of a roadmap that Paul was given to new Christians, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians, because they were two different groups. So until this time, they're coming together as Christians together. And this is kind of a way to help reunite them around the gospel of Christ. So I did something different last week that I'm going to do this week. There was a lot less people, but I'm going to ask some questions. And nobody feel obligated to answer. I just am going to ask the questions so everybody can kind of think about the things that, that I thought about when I wrote this. And I titled this one Freedom. Freedom. One word. We're in Freedom Church. Freedom Baptist. As Americans, we love our freedom. Some places in the world don't have the freedom that we have. They can't gather together like we are. They can't study the word. So we enjoy the freedom. What is freedom? What does freedom mean to us? It says the power or right to act, speak, or think as someone wants without hindrance or restraint. When Tony was talking in Sunday school a little bit, he talked a little bit about politics, and we're all kind of worried about what freedoms we're going to lose or how that's going to look in the future, and there's some uncertainty. So Ronald Reagan talked about freedom quite a bit. And one of his speeches, he quoted George Orwell. This man's definition is freedom is the right to say no. Pretty simple. We are free from sin because of what Jesus did for us. He interceded. He's interceding for us. He died on the cross for us. He gave us the freedom to say no to sin. Verse 17. It starts out, but thanks be to God. We should be so thankful. We should be so thankful for everything that we have in this world. We should be thankful for the very breath that we get to take and our hearts for beating. It's by God's grace alone that we are here. Thanks be to God. He talks about slavery. That's a term that they knew back in the day. There were slaves in the Old Testament. The Israelites were slaves to the Pharaoh. So what does slavery mean to us? Because Paul is saying that we're slaves to sin. So what does that mean? Slaves are property, they're owned. So before we were slaves to sin. Sin had ownership over us. He's telling this to the Roman Christians because some of them were slaves, had been slaves, or slave owners, so it's a metaphor that they understood. Slaves didn't get treated very well. They didn't have very much right in what they did. They were bound by their owner, and that's kind of how we were. We were bound by that sin. We were burdened by that sin. Obedience is another word. To be obedient. Obedience in God leads to our eternal life. But he goes on, not even just say obedience, he says obedience from the heart. Tony touched on this too, it's not a head knowledge. You can be really smart, you can know who God is and Jesus is in, in your head. Head knowledge is different from heart knowledge. You have to accept our Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. 
Because there is a huge difference in being obedient in the mind and being obedient in the heart. And he talks about our standard of teaching. Salvation through Christ. That is the standard of teaching for that time, that we are saved through Christ. Verse 18, having been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Freedom. We are no longer bound to that sin. We're free from it. And now we're slaves to righteousness. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Amen. We were not deserving of the righteousness of God because we were sinners. And Jesus came and lived a perfect life and paid the penalty for our sins so we can have that righteousness. In the group of scripture before this, in the letter, Paul had wrote, it's in verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace. Jesus came and lived a perfect life by the law. No man has done it before or since. So we can sleep and live peacefully knowing that sin has no dominion over us because the Lord defeated it for us. He defeated sin and he defeated death. Things that we could never do and he is the only person that could have ever done it. Isn't that some good news? Verse 19, he said, We once pre presented our members as slaves to impurity. I know that sometimes I fall short in a lot of areas, and sometimes it's hard for me because I'll read this and I'll study this and I'll get up here and I'll talk about it, and I think this is something I need to work on myself. These are things that I need to prove on myself. It's a cycle. Paul says it right here. We are slaves to impurity and lawlessness, and lawlessness leads to more lawlessness. There was no getting out of it. There was nothing that we could have done till Christ came and did it for us. Now we are to present our members as slaves to righteousness. Now we are to do the things and be slaves to righteousness and work in the kingdom. Verse 13, above this, excuse me, says, Do not present your members as to sin. <clears throat> excuse me. Do not pre present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God. And those who have been brought from death to life in your members to God as instruments for the righteous. We all have gifts, and we've talked about gifts. And Paul tells us here that we need to present ourselves as instruments for God and righteousness. When we were slaves to sin, we were free from righteousness. Verse 20. When we were slaves to sin. We didn't worry about anything else. We worried about the worldly things, the physical things, and the righteousness we were free from. It's something that we couldn't get when we lived in sin. Verse 21 says, but what fruit were you getting at that time of things for which you are now ashamed? We sit back and think about it when we lived a life of sin. What was our fruit? What were we producing in our lives? We were producing things for the kingdom of God or for us. In the book of Matthew, Jesus tells us about <coughs> this 
Chapter 7, verse 16, he says, You will recognize them by their fruits as grapes gathered from, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but diseased trees bear bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. For every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So live in our lives today, what fruits are we producing? Can people look at us and tell how we live by what we produce? Are we producing worldly fruit? Or monetary fruit or prideful fruit? We need to hold our relationship with God higher than everything else in our lives and we need to produce fruit for the kingdom and not live for the worldly and the monetary things and to not be so prideful. There's nothing wrong with having money. There were people in the Bible that had money. It's how you let that money rule your life or if you can use it for good or what you do with it. So verse 22, Paul tells us, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and sin, eternal life. We have been set free from sin. We are free. That's exciting. We're unburdened. It should be a weight lifted off our shoulders. Now we belong to God. We are slaves of God. And the fruit that we get from this leads to sanctification and eternal life. What greater gift could there be? Living a life of God leads to sanctification and eternal life. But we must bear that fruit. The book of John talks about that Jesus is the true vine and we are to bear fruit. And what is that fruit that he's talking about? Disciples, making disciples and growing the kingdom. That's some fruit. The kids get up here sometimes and sing a song about spiritual fruit. It's out of Galatians. Uh, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, fruit of the Spirit. That's good things that we can grow. But we're called to do those things. We're not just to set back. Many of us have gardens or we've been farmers. It takes a lot of work to grow something. We can't just show up one time a week and give her a little bit of water. So we can't do that with our spiritual lives either. You got to pull the weeds out too. It's intentional. I was speaking with a guy at work and his daughter was going to speak for the youth group and her topic was going to be that we need to work and that we need to grow. Having spiritual prowess is like a muscle. It's our spiritual muscle. Muscle. Basketball players practice for hours and hours and hours for a game. Or fighters or football players. And they practice so much. Are we practicing like that? Are we in the word to grow and to flex and to use our muscle spiritually? Or do we just show up once a week? We listen for a little while and we go home and don't think about it. Because that's not how we grow fruit. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that so powerful? I'm going to read it again. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I should have just started with that and we could have been done, right? (laughs) That's so powerful in itself. And 
And if I was more confident in my abilities, I would try to speak for half an hour about that one verse because there's so much power in that verse, isn't there? It, Paul outlines it right there. He tells us what the outcome is. Sin only produces death. That's the only thing that it produces. It will not produce anything else. But the free gift of God. Not many things in life are free. Especially as good as the gift of God and eternal life. It is free. And our Christ Jesus the Lord. Jesus paid the, pi the price for our sins so that we can enjoy that free gift. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, he says, Therefore, just as sin came in the world through one man and death through sin, and so spread to all men because all sinned. So even from the beginning, this is nothing new. There is one outcome to sin, and we've known that. That's referring to Adam. Sin has been in this world forever, and it has always produced the one thing. But Jesus has defeated sin, and he's defeated death for us. Jesus is still alive today. We know that. We know that he rose on the third day, and he ascended into heaven, and he is at the right hand of God interceding for us right now. He is alive in the flesh. So we should celebrate, and we should be excited and be loud because that gift is better than any gift you could ever give anybody. Amen. We worry so much about what's going to happen today and this afternoon and this week and this month, and it's just a small, small section of what we're going to enjoy through eternity. On that same note, we only have a small amount of time to reach people, people we love, people we know that are lost, and to give them the word. So, we were slaves to sin, and we were doomed to death. But now we're free. We have been set free. The chains are gone. And we have eternal life with Christ Jesus. Me? Me too. Me too. Freedom is a wonderful thing that we get to experience in so many ways. And the most important way is that we have the freedom to be here together. We have the freedom from sin that we can go out in this world and spread the word of God. And bring people into the kingdom. And share the gift. It's not a gift that we're meant to hold up. It's not a gift that we're meant to store up and keep away from everybody. We should hold it high and proud and share it with the entire world. So, freedom. We must be slaves to righteousness. We must bind ourselves to righteousness and live through the way that Jesus has showed us. Jesus lived a perfect life. We should try to model ourselves after him. The good news about Jesus Christ, we've talked about it today in our Sunday school lesson. He died on the cross for our sins. And he rose on the third day and is alive in heaven today. So, I'd like to close with a little bit of scripture from Acts. Acts. 
Acts chapter 4, verse 11. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So we need to remember that, and we need to rejoice in the freedom that we get to enjoy today because of what Jesus did for us, and be happy and be proud. So I want to thank everybody for your time today. Thank you for Rob for letting me come up here and speak.